This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Summer is right around the corner, which means so is bathing suit season, that dreaded time of year when many of us try to get a beach body in just a few weeks. You know what I'm talking about. And there are so many diets out there that promise to help us do it, but do they really work? That's the million dollar question. Today, we look at the most popular fad diets on the market and the internet that promise to help you lose weight quickly. Some of them you've heard of, the keto diet, paleo, the Adkins diet, and some of them may be new to you. The lemon and cayenne pepper diet, anyone? Well, we ask our expert, which one will help you get that beach body fastest? And more importantly, are they safe? And are they worth the effort and deprivation? We have your best prescription for life when it comes to fad diets straight ahead. and welcome to Prescription for Life. I'm Monica Robbins, and this is the health and wellness show where we try to answer your questions about the everyday problems we all deal with, like today's hot topic, how to drop a quick 10 to 15 pounds. We've all been there trying to shed a few pounds before that high school reunion or an upcoming wedding, or maybe you're seeing an ex-flame and you want to look good. Well, this is the time of year you don't want to be hiding under a towel while you're poolside. There are plenty of diets diets out there that promise big results and a lot of people who want to try them. In fact, one poll found that the average person will try two fad diets a year and dozens over their lifetime. So if you find yourself Googling how to lose weight fast, no, you are not alone. We are going to talk to a nutritionist about all of these diets in just a minute. But first, how did we get to a point where fad diets even became a thing? If you feel like you're battling the bulge a bit more today than you were 10 or 20 years ago, well, your dinner plate may be to blame. Take a look at this report from our station KFMB in San Diego. Some claim that the salad plates that we eat off today are the same size of what our dinner plates used to be back in the 60s. So we verify, are dishes larger than what they were six decades ago? Our registered dietitian and cookbook author, Lisa Andrews, nutrition dietitian, Dr. Sandra Frank, who analyzed plate sizes and the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. Registered dietitian Lisa Andrews says portion control may be tough. So the plates themselves have definitely increased. So they are quite a bit bigger, about 36%. When you Google plate sizes over the years, the blog post written by registered nutrition dietitian, Dr. Sandra Frank, is populated at the top. I started to wonder you know, how much has plate sizes changed? And that's when I went into like a dollar store with a tape measure and I started to pull different plates. Frank says she knows from personal experience, but also found that plate sizes have grown from eight and a half inches in 1960 to 10 inches in the 1980s, 11 inches in the 2000s to 12 inches today. That means salad plates we use now used to be the size of our dinner plate in the 60s. Frank says this means with dishes that size, calories on a plate have more than doubled. People like to fill their plates. And once they fill their plate and they eat everything on the plate, there's a feeling of satisfaction. 
to-go cups are sizing up too. Food historian Dr. Ashley Young at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History says anecdotally she observed the increase in plate size in the second half of the 20th century but points to an exhibit in the museum. It shows in the 1970s 7-Eleven Slurpees were served in 12-ounce cups and in 2017 the Texas-based Stripes convenience store served the slushy in a 64-ounce container. Why do you think that the size of plates are larger now? It's a good question, but I think it's just sort of this customer, like we need to please the customer and in, in this assumption that more is probably better. So we can verify that yes, the size of dishes is larger than what it was in the 1960s. With your Verify, I'm Abby Alford, CBS 8. Okay, so we get it. We are eating more and that fuels the $76 billion diet industry. Yes, diets are a $76 billion with a B dollar business. So which one should you invest in? Are any of them worth it? Here's what our expert has to say. We are joined now by Beth Zeroni, who is a registered dietitian with Cleveland Clinic Center for Human Nutrition. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, really. So we are talking fad diets. Mm -hmm. It's the hot thing to do. It's we're heading into summer. Everybody wants to fit into the bathing suit. Is there a fad diet that actually works? Unfortunately, there's not. Um, fad diets are exactly what it is. It's for short time. You know, you have a high school reunion, you've got a cruise, you want to fit into that bathing suit. And so what happens is people do extreme measures for a short amount of time. But what we know is that they're just not able to sustain them long term. And so any weight loss that you're going to lose, you're going to end up gaining it back plus some. Really? Yeah. So if you're like scrambling, trying to lose 10 pounds for an event coming up, a graduation party, whatever, be buyer beware. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because anytime that we're going to restrict the diet, we're going to end up compromising our muscle stores, which is really the main part of our metabolism. So when we lose muscle and then we gain that weight back, we're going to gain fat back. And again, because your metabolism has been compromised, you're not going to be able to burn as many calories as you did before. So it's going to be harder um, to keep that weight off. And that's also, is it also messing with your body's chemistry and some, like the, we keep hearing, yeah. you know, your body stores fat. So when it needs it, it has it. So if you get rid of that, it turns your, your body starts keeping everything it gets its hands Well, it on. can be. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a state of starvation where you're eating less, then your body can really survive on. We call that the starvation mode. The body actually prefers to use our muscle stores for energy instead of our fat stores. Our fat stores, I always tell people, are kind of like our bank account that we never want to tap into. We have to in extreme measures. So the body will actually use your muscles first. And so that way, um, if you are losing weight, you'll notice that sometimes you've lost some you know, muscle mass, you've lost some tone, some energy, because 20% of total weight loss that we have is muscle. And so, like I said, over time, you might be tapping into some of that fat stores, you're tapping into your muscle stores, and then again, you're throwing off that metabolism. And unfortunately, as we get older, we lose muscle naturally. So that's why it's harder to lose weight as we age as well. So quickly, I see every dietary supplement on every internet game I play, mm -hmm. anytime I'm surfing, every social media site. Do any of those work? No. And the reason being is because it's, not FDA necessarily approved. So you could be getting a batch of one very potent batch, think it works great for whatever reason you're taking it for. You go back to take it again and it's not as effective. Because it's not regulated and because it's not medication, there's nothing that really is going to work. 
Supplements have to be very carefully monitored. If you're deficient, then certainly we need to supplement. We need to make sure that your levels are fine. But taking additional um, supplements aren't going to necessarily help you out. Like the keto gummies that, you know, all that. Set. No. no, none of that. I, I really wish they would because then, well, I kind of don't because then I wouldn't have a job. But realistically, you know, the, the disease of obesity is something that we're fighting and we're paying so much money to fight this disease. And really, we just think that, you know, it's just not that easy to just take a pill and you know to get the results that you want unfortunately well, we've talked about the medications and how expensive they yes. are and then of course the surgery for extreme measures mm -hmm. but let's talk about just diet sure. so there's the high fat diet the no carb diet the raw diet the protein diet the whole foods diet the bone broth diet i mean there's a zillion of these um do any of them actually work or are any of them healthy or is there one 100% please stay away from? So real, realistically, short term, probably any of them would be effective because again, you're decreasing your overall caloric intake. And so if you're eating more than what you need and now all of a sudden you're restricting, short term, you're going to lose the weight. But long term wise, there's just not gonna be because you're not gonna get the variety of all the nutrients that you need. You're gonna eliminate food groups. You might go long periods of time between eating. And so that, again, that's gonna set your metabolism up to just be way off. Intermittent fasting is the new hot thing. It is. Is it, is it good for you? So that's a really interesting question because the, the research really does not 100% say one way or the other. Do I have people that come in and do it and do great? Absolutely. I think a lot of times what happens is because you give yourself that window of restriction and you maybe were like a night eater before and you say, I'm not eating after seven. Well, just by default, you're going to eat less calories because you're not eating all night. Now, do I have some people that it throws their metabolism off because now they're skipping breakfast? Sure. So I think it really depends on just taking a step back and looking to see what am I doing or what, what are my goals? Because intermittent fasting might work great for you. If you can control the calories within you know, an eight hour window and do an 18 hour or 16 hour rather fast, that's great. But if you're a night shift worker and you're you know, fasting while you're awake and then you don't have time to eat because you're sleeping, like it just, you just have to kind of look back and talk to, you know, talk to your physician, talk to a dietitian, talk to somebody to kind of get a better idea of really what's gonna work. One size doesn't fit all, unfortunately. That's, yeah, that's a great point. Let's talk about life stages too, oh because my, yeah. what, you know, I could do a diet for three days, you know, in my twenties and lose, you know, eight pounds. And then now it Easy. takes like eight months to lose the same amount of yeah. weight. So w what do people need to keep in mind? And, and is there anything, especially women mm -hmm. of, you know, menopause years, is there anything they can do to speed up that meta metabolism mm -hmm. just using diet alone? So, it's really a difficult thing because again, there might be other underlying conditions. You might have polycystic ovarian syndrome, you might have type two. So there might be some other underlying conditions that are gonna affect that metabolism. The other thing to remember too, is that our body has memory of previous diet attempts. So when we're 20 and we do, you know, the grapefruit diet or whatever it is for three days, cause we wanna fit into a dress, no problem. And then we go back to it maybe a year or two later and it's not as su successful. It's because your body remembers and says, how dare you try to starve me and I'll, I'll show you. So I think a lot of that has to do with it. But the other thing is, you know, there is a condition, it's a big word called sarcopenia. So it just really means we're losing muscle 
as we age, and this is men and women. So the complicated thing is that as women, as we age and we're losing you know, all those gender hormones or losing that estrogen, it really does make it way more difficult. So I think the most important thing is if you see that you are creeping up on your weight, um, that you're perimenopausal, premenopausal, I think that's the time to act. I think after the fact, when you've gained the weight, it's gonna be much more difficult to lose it after the fact than to kind of be proactive ahead of the game and really look for that help now. So then that way it'll be much easier as you go into those, um, those phases and all life. those women watching who just already gained the weight. I their, know. their hearts are breaking right well, now. Well, there is, I mean, there are, there are things we can do. There's, you know, there's always ways we can kind of tidy up our diets a bit and, and, you know, inc increase the physical activity, which is really important too, as we age, because our bone density decreases. So making sure that you do have routine physical activity is going to be important. Um, I don't want anyone to feel defeated. Like there's just, you're never going to be able to lose the weight, but I think early um, intervention, I think is going to be the best way to tackle it. And that would apply to kids too, I, I would think, like especially if you see your kid, the eating habits change. Exactly, you know, childhood obesity really has increased over the years. And I think, again, early intervention is gonna be something really important. And again, making it a family matter so that the whole family, because chances are, if you have your children that have obesity, most likely the parents have obesity as well. So I wanna go back to intermittent fasting because mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things, you know, uh, a lot of athletes will do a lot of food in uh, on Monday mm -hmm. and then only eat maybe 500 calories on Tuesday and then eat normally on Wednesday. Does that, you know, restricting calories a couple of times a week, does that really make a difference? Does it affect your metabolism at it, all? It certainly can. And I think what happens is when you restrict your calories, you get so hungry by the time you're allowed to eat that you eat too much or you eat too fast or what you eat is not gonna be the greatest. I mean, we don't make good choices when we're hungry. And so I think you're setting yourself up for disordered eating when you tell yourself, I'm gonna restrict myself and then tomorrow I can eat whatever I want. It, that's not gonna be a healthy way. I think consistency is really gonna be the keys. Eating throughout the day, eating about the same amount of calories throughout the day and not just skipping a meal and then consuming it all in one time. Your body doesn't respond well to that. You really need to be able to stabilize the blood sugars much more easily. You need to be able to uh, manage those gut hormones as well. So eating throughout the day is gonna be much better than kind of just giving yourself that little window and then just eating 3000 calories, you know, in a, in a set amount of window and then tomorrow eating only 500 calories. That seems to, like I have low blood sugar. So mm -hmm. for me by four o'clock in the afternoon, if I haven't been eating every two to three sure. hours, I get the hard crash and all I want is sugar. Sure, absolutely. That's what your body's craving. So what do I do? So really give yourself a timer, put an alarm on your phone if you have to, it's really important. And what you always wanna to remember too is when you're eating throughout the day, don't just have one type of food, don't just have a carb or just have a protein. You wanna have a nice mixed meal. So then that way you're not gonna have these big highs and then these deep lows. You're gonna have a steady blood sugar um, throughout the day. Because again, you come home, you're starving. Um, I call it the rip the cabinet doors off syndrome where you come home and you just start eating and eating and eating and you can't control it. And by the time dinner comes, then you're not hungry. All right, let me ask you this. We're gonna go from the fad diet for the really, really quick fix. Uh -huh. What is the best, most effective way to do that? You need to talk to some, you need to have a healthcare professional because a lot of times too, if you're restricting, you're doing short term, you can have electrolyte imbalances. Again, if you have type two diabetes, you can have effects in your blood sugar, you could have effects in your blood pressure. So I think anytime you're gonna do any kind of extreme diet, it really needs to be under medical advice. 
Okay, what about the folks who need to lose more than 10 to 15 pounds? Um, you know, I always, I always say it didn't take you a month mm -hmm. to put 30 pounds on. Exactly. So it's certainly not gonna take a month to get it off. Um, what's your advice to, to those folks who are just trying to, you know, at least get their, sure. get their food in order? You know, I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know until you talk to somebody and realize that you're not doing it right. So go and see your family physician. If you're not you know, familiar with one and you need to establish care with one, that's great. If not, you know, we have obesity medicine uh, physicians that are all over that you can you know, associate yourself with. And a lot of times they work with, with us dietitians. And so it's really important that you get a, a handle on this. You know, th there could be medications that you're taking that are weight gaining that you're not aware of. Um, you could have undiagnosed, untreated, disease states like type 2 diabetes or hypertension that you need to get a handle on. And perhaps that will help with some weight loss as well. So you just don't know. So I think it's, if, if anything, go and get a checkup, make sure everything is good before you go. Just like a long trip across you know, the country, you go and get your car done, you just make sure everything is good to go. I think that that's probably the best way to, uh, to attack it when you're looking at your long-term health. Y years ago, fat was the enemy. Yes. Everything came out that was low fat. And then I learned that they, to make it taste better, they just add sugar. Mm -hmm which, wow, that was a bad twist. And then exactly. now, um, carbs, carbs are the enemy. Right. Are carbs the enemy? Carbs, of course, are not the enemy because we need carbs to give us energy overall. That is the only thing that's gonna break down to sugar and actually pass into our brains to feed our brains. Um, so carbs are not the enemy. I think if you are looking to lose weight, you know, looking at those simple sugars, right? The cookies, the cakes, the candies, those are the things that you want to avoid. Not to say you can't have them, um, but I think it's important that you kind of take a, an inventory of how often are you having them, how much are you having, and then decrease the frequency or how much you're having. But I, I certainly would never tell anybody that, you know, a carb is a bad thing. So does it matter though, the types of carbs you eat? We hear simple carbs, yeah. complex carbs that, you know, it, don't eat white potatoes, eat sweet potatoes, mm -hmm. don't eat white rice, eat brown rice. I mean, is that really something that everybody should follow? I think it depends on what your health condition is. If you, again, if you have, you know, type two diabetes and you're having a really hard time controlling your blood sugars, having a more of a complex option is gonna help slow that digestion down. So you're gonna have more of a trickle going into your bloodstream instead of this big surge. Um, I never tell anybody that they can't have something. I may say not as often or not as much. Um, I think it's important too to have it as a mixed meal. So again, not eliminating any food groups, not just having a carb by itself, having it with a good you know, source of lean protein and some vegetables in a mixed meal. I have patients that will not eat brown rice and I get that and I'm not gonna make them do anything that they don't want, right? How do we compromise? How do we mix? Do we mix maybe some less white rice with more vegetables and kind of get that same um, satiety factor that you're looking for so that way you're not super hungry and eating, you know, snackies after dinner? So I think it just really kind of depends. You know, there's, there's again, there's no um, magic bullet. There's no set diet that's going to work for everybody. So really kind of knowing what do you like, what don't you like, what fits in your day, what fits in your budget is really gonna be important because if you go off and have this really super expensive diet that you're only gonna be able to have for three months because you know produce and meat is so expensive and you just can't you know, handle it, you're setting yourself up for failure. You need to really figure out how are we gonna make this work to get you to the goals that you want immediately, but then long-term too. Everybody keeps talking about plant-based diets. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the issues with saying I'm on a plant-based diet is there are so many different types of plant-based sure. diets. Can you kind of explain and why is that so important for people to maybe consider? Yeah. So what we know 
um, and I don't even know how many years in, in running, but the Mediterranean diet has been shown to be the healthiest, best sustaining diet that we have. And majority of it is plant-based. So it will have some fish and some poultry, but a lot of it is gonna be plant-based, beans, lentils, legumes. It's important because we don't need to have as much animal products in our diets as some people may feel that we do. Um, it's more cost-effective, I feel, budget-friendly, healthier for the environment. Um, it's gonna have different proteins. It's gonna have different nutrients in it than you would find in animal um, products. And again, it's just, we know that overall, the, the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, it's gonna help decrease your blood pressure. It's gonna help improve your cardiac health. It's been shown to help improve Alzheimer's disease um, with weight loss. Then we're talking about um, type two diabetes. And then of course the disease of obesity. So that across the board, if anyone's trying to find like the gold standard diet, when I say, you know, one size doesn't fit all, that's probably gonna be the one if you're looking for long-term wise, the Mediterranean diet is really the one that we want you to follow. And it's doable. Absolutely, you can find products in any sort of grocery store, superstore. You don't have to go to any fancy place. You don't have to necessarily get anything organic. It doesn't have to have anything specific labeled to it. Um, it's a concept. It's not a specific, for breakfast you must eat this and for lunch you must eat this. It's more conceptual. So it really can fit into anybody's lifestyle. All right, let's move on to fat exercise because everywhere you go you can see 15 days to six-pack abs or 28 days to the perfect booty whatever yeah. you know that'd be great yeah <laughs> do they work they don't again it's you know it's commitment it's long term you know it takes a while for our body to understand what's going on so again if you are going to be exercising rigorously again granted you're gonna get better results as we're younger because we have better metabolisms as we get younger, we have more muscle stores as we're younger. So you're going to get results. That's why these kids are walking around with these six packs and they don't really even have to work out because they're just, they're just general movement helps. And we're sitting here trying to like sweat to the oldies. Um, short term, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Again, you're going to compromise your muscle stores. You're going to be tired. You're going to be fatigued. You're not going to get the results that you want. And then again, what's going to happen? You're going to get frustrated and you're going to give up. So I would say Find a program that you like to do. You know, the guidelines are 150 minutes a week of aerobic activity with one to two days of strength training. That's a good way to start. Now again, maybe you can't do 30 minutes a day. Start with 10. Maybe you can do 10 in the morning, 10 in the afternoon, 10 at night. I don't know, let's see where you are and then build up from there and then we can see what we can do with you. So uh, it sounds to me like you're, I've always heard that you have to have the trifecta. You have to get your diet in order. Mm -hmm. You have to get strength training in and you have to do cardio. If you're going to do at least, well, we've already yeah. talked about diet, but if you're going to do one or the other of strength training and cardio, which is the one you want? So short-term cardio, because cardio is gonna burn fat where strength training is gonna build muscle, but you have to have them both um, because you could burn all the fat that you have, but if you don't look lean and you're not strong, you know, you're not gonna get that unless you do some strength training. What's the biggest uh, exercise mistake you see people making all the time? I think people end up jumping in too vigorously too soon, and then they get themselves hurt. Um, we see this a lot, um, especially with um, maybe our middle-aged uh, dads that maybe on the weekends are like those weekend warriors where they you know, wanna do their glory days of, of college and then they get hurt. I think you have to really slow your way into it and see what works. Because um, again, if you're if you're lifting weights that you have no business lifting because you don't have enough strength, you're gonna end up hurting yourself. And then again, you're gonna be out of the game for way too long. So we know the Mediterranean diet is the gold diet. Yes. Uh, what is the gold standard for exercise? I think it's whatever you can do. 
whatever you can do safely. Um, I can't expect you to go up here if you're down here. I need to build you up. Um, so I think it's like knowing your limits and your boundaries and then finding a way to build yourself up to that. Not everybody wants to go to the gym. So maybe they can use their own weight for resistance against the wall um, or, or the floor, or maybe they have hand weights or they have at-home videos. Um, I think it's really important you just kind of assess where you are, build your way up, and then challenge yourself to do more as you get stronger. And we're not talking about you know, just going for a casual stroll, even though that's good. Sure. But can you talk about like, you have to get your heart rate up? You do, you need to have it where, so you certainly don't wanna go for a walk. If we're walking down the street and we're having this casual walk, that, that's not aerobic. We're not burning, um, we're not burning enough calories. You wanna be able to, I always tell people you want it, it's like you're late for a meeting um, or you need to go to the bathroom at Cedar Point and you can't find one, right? You wanna have that sense of intensity where it's a little bit, you're not necessarily trotting, but you're walking a little bit faster. There's a little bit of trickle of sweat coming down. You're getting a little bit you know, out of breath. That's really what we're looking for. Um, if you get to the point where you're so overly you know, exhausted that you can't breathe, that's not aerobic either. Um, and so you're not gonna burn uh, any fat that way either. So you need to find a nice mix. Um, what a lot of times I tell my patients um, and even like my friends that say, I wanna you know, work out, what can I do? Interval. So walk at a pace that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with, and then ramp it up for five or 10 seconds at a higher pace. And then you know do that for five or 10 seconds, go back to your normal pace. A couple minutes later, do the same thing. This is gonna help you burn more calories because your heart rate's gonna go up, but also it's gonna help build your endurance. So you'll be able to do those intervals more often and for longer. And that might be a way for people who really aren't really super comfortable um, with starting any kind of exercise routine to do that because they're, they, it's at their own pace. Final thoughts, what do you wanna leave people with? I tell people all the time, you need to make sure you are eating consistently. You cannot skip meals, right? You can't go long periods of time. That's not gonna work. You need to make sure you have variety. All foods fit. Do not eliminate an entire food group because you think that it's bad or it's gonna you know, harm you. And the last thing is you really wanna make sure you have balance. So it's not just about dieting. It's not just about exercise. It's about hydration. It's about sleep and it's about stress. And as long as you can you know, talk about those things as well, because sometimes your diet is dead on, your exercise is dead on, but you're not sleeping well or you're stressed out. So if anything, talk to your healthcare provider, get some help, let's help you kind of figure it all out and you know, just tweak it, make some good changes and see how you deal with it. Great advice, thank you so much, Thank Beth. you. So there you have it, friends. If it sounds too good to be true, yeah, it probably is. Maybe the moral to this story is whatever beach body you have, go ahead and flaunt it. Don't waste the summer hiding in the shade. Just be sure to use your sunscreen. I'm Monica Robbins. Join us back here next week for another edition of Prescription for Life. And as always, we wish you good health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.